Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm launching a Patreon. <laughs> it's not okay. for this podcast. It's, <laughs> it's my personal Patreon. Okay. And um, I don't feel that way about it. But uh, haircutting tutorials. Okay. Videos. Wow, you one successful um, uh, self haircut, and you're ready to. Take on the world, I guess. You said it was the best haircut you've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I'm going to think of some tears, but I'll put a lot of effort into it. It'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to uh, launch that. That's exciting. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, I'm going to start a newsletter. All right. Um, About? About my Patreon. Okie dokie. Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Um, did you... Is the newsletter going to be free? No. None of this is free. Oh, okay. Listen, I've been putting the work in this podcast, okay? Uh-huh. One of us has for right. the last how many years? Yeah. And I'm ready to cash in. For sure. Okay? So I'm cashing in on uh, the... <laughs> on the foundation we've been building and I'm ready to cash out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> With a Patreon about haircuts and a newsletter about the Patreon about haircuts. Just starting. All right. I got places to go. People okay. people know what I have to offer yeah. based on this on this podcast. And and if you pay me, just imagine how much better it could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something else I wanted to talk about. Okay. Having to do with um, the video game announcements. We're moving into E3 territory now. Uh-huh. Which is gone. Right. But they had the Summer Game Fest today where they announced some... Damn, where's my drop at? Your Summer Game Fest drop? No, my... Uh, oh, oh. E3, which is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Exactly. <laughs> the one I use the most. I couldn't find it for some reason. I forgot what I was going to say, but I will just comment on this. They mm-hmm. announced a new Modern Warfare game. Right. Modern Warfare 2. 2. And they had someone intro it, and she's like, that's why I'm here. Modern Warfare 2, where... And she was like... At a loading dock, <laughs> like that was somehow modern warfare related, mm-hmm. and I was like, "If this is really modern warfare, it would be you know the situation would be like you're sitting down at your drone console, but everything's right. sticky because <laughs> Garrett had it before you. Right, you've got Dorito dust all you've over the keyboard. <laughs> now, when you try and move your drone." You have to push extra hard forward because Garrett gunked up the controls. (laughs) Right. Don't hit that hospital. You know? Right. Um, Watch out for the sick kids. Look out for that wedding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Damn it, Garrett. That's why I bombed that wedding. That's that's modern warfare. I don't know what they were selling. And then I um, I had to mute the actual... A trailer anyways i didn't i didn't really get what they were doing yeah well there was a moment too that a lot of those games went through a while ago that i feel like would not 
pass the smell test now where there was definitely that moment um, in one of the Call of Duty games where you're walking through an airport. And they're naming actual victims. No, but it's like you can choose to just like murder everybody. Or right. you can choose to just walk through the airport. Like you're ah, you're a terrorist. You, you're playing as a terrorist. Do you want to walk, or do you <laughs> want to kill everybody? Right. But then they also had that other moment. There's another moment, and I'm pretty sure it was one of the Call of Duty games where you are literally just, um, like bombing. It's like the night vision, right? The green, the mm-hmm. black and green night vision. You've got like the airplane view, and you're just like dropping bombs on different <laughs> places. And the commentary is just pixels. like exactly. And yeah. the commentary is just like the player is just like got another one, and it's completely like mundane and just like <laughs> at the time is one of those things where it's like, man, I don't. They're not like making any sort of commentary here. They're just like the commentary is like, look at how realistic we can be. And like the commentary is just like, we Depiction. know this is edgy, but like we have no idea why or what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, like it, exactly. It's it's like playing with fire, but also trying to deny that like fire's hot. Like, right. <laughs> like it, it's like playing with something dangerous where you're fundamentally denying the thing that makes it dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Juggling knives are being like, I'm going to pretend like these knives are hot, not sharp. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're kind of missing the whole point, <laughs> the whole danger of, of what you're playing with. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that is the, the, the move then. Welcome to Modern Warfare 2, where shipping is king. You know, right. it's like, <laughs> okay, that, that, that's not Modern Warfare. Yeah. E, which I guess is the point. Yeah, the new Modern Warfare, you're an Amazon worker, and you're trying to... <laughs> Take as you're much time up as you as you can without doing any work. You're, you're trying, trying to steal as much from Jeff Bezos <laughs> as you can. No, you're just trying to get to the union vote. Yeah. <laughs> They've like thrown traps down. You're for trying you. to sneak in an extra bathroom break. Yeah. That's it starts with a stealth mission. Yeah, to go get uh you have diarrhea. Em- empty your bladder. <laughs> yeah. You've already used your one bathroom break. <clears throat> you have diarrhea though. You've got to go again. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so that's Modern Warfare Two. Uh, can't say I'm excited for it. Um. Also, have you heard about Callisto Protocol? Yeah. Oh yeah, the space game from yeah. the dead space people. Yes, mm-hmm. but also people are saying that it's supposed to like take place in the PUBG universe. Have <laughs> you heard that? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard really anything about the game. I literally just saw it. Maybe it, it was the skill up video, I think. I some YouTube video I watched mentioned it briefly, but the no, there was no mention of PUBG. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I heard talked around it. Um I'm still playing through Dead Space One, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um and so now I'm all I'm all interested uh in that. But um the other thing too is Sony had their press conference and I like I watch all these even though I, I, li- I think I watch them all because I like to have the information. Even though I'm not someone who mm-hmm. will go out and like get all these games, I I don't have a PlayStation stuff like that. And so I was like looking at the PlayStation um, presentation, and to me it just kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. And then I was like listening to some people talk about, it and they're like, banger after banger, mm-hmm. Sony hitting out the park. I was like, 
they announced a new Street Fighter Callisto Protocol and like both like Street Fighter and Callisto Protocol, as far as I understand, those are cross console. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not even PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I I didn't really get what uh what was so exciting about PlayStation. It does seem like this year's kind of a dud. Yeah, like big video game releases. Right. Well, I think too with, and I guess this is Elden Ring excluded. By the way, let's say that. Yeah, I think this is probably reflected in E3 uh, basically being dead, and I know uh, uh, other. um, I'm sure other video game people I listen to have like echoed the same idea, but. I think probably one of the reasons that you're still drawn to the press conferences and that I am too, is that as for our generation, like those press conferences were a huge deal. Huge. And for a long time, it was the only time you you really got that information. Whereas now it's just like, if somebody wants to release a trailer, you just release the trailer. You know what I mean? And and everyone has access to it immediately. You don't need to set up a big press conference, you know? And hopefully the that idea of like you know the 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 to me the idea of like who had the better press conference who's winning was always kind of childish you know what i mean yeah. it's like i just would like to play a fun game right show me <laughs> something I don't cool necessarily want i don't want playstation players to not be able to play that game i want everyone to play the game you know yeah <laughs> or at least i'm agnostic yeah, not like I'm out there pulling for everybody, but you know who cares? Right. Yeah. Show me something good. <laughs> so yeah, it seems. Um, I watched a little bit of it. I think I tuned in for like the cat game, Stray. Stray, and then I was like, ah, that looks kind of neat. And then I was just like, I don't. Uh, yeah, go watch some YouTube videos or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and even watching those presentations and conferences, I never really like watched them. Like I never. I, I was like hyper sensitive to like the cringe moments of it. So I would yeah. never actually like watch it. I would just watch it for the game trailers, you know? So right. even now I, that's kind of what I do. I'll just lay it play or put it on mute and then see afterwards what I missed. Or I'll watch like a, like a watch through like with min max or something mm-hmm. like that. The only other game thing I wanted to say, uh, this is, I, I will probably regret this and have not thought through what I'm about to say at all. But Elden Ring, uh-huh. Elden Ring, played through it, love that I played through it, and love the game. Never played a From Software game before. Played mm-hmm. a little bit of Dead Souls 2, maybe, and kind of fell off after a few hours. Maybe it was Dead uh, 1, I don't know. But anyway, it's interesting then going back, like I'll watch... I like then watching selective playthroughs, like certain moments. Um, like there's this one guy I started watching where he played like all the From Software games. And I also like watching people who are good at video games play video games. I enjoy that. Like I enjoy the Summoning Salt videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy any kind of like if I'm scrolling through Reddit or whatever and someone's like, here's a crazy speed run. I'll watch it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so i watched these like selective playthroughs but i was watching this one guy who's playing elden ring and he didn't know for like way too long like 10 hours of gameplay he didn't know that there were maps so he's like <laughs> that he could look at a map he, 
<laughs> well, cause that's you, not even Elden Ring. That's like a video. Has has he not ever played a video game before? He's played every From <laughs> Software game, you know, ever. Yeah. And when you pull up the map, it's this like grayed out area. Yeah. Uh huh. And it kind of fills out as you go, but it has no detail. You know right. what I mean? Um, I think do you start with one area that is detail and like that's it? But he just like assumed like all oh, this brown area is the map, I guess. And and literally finally and he's like a completionist. So he's like doing it and like literally running around where the map is, just mm-hmm. like in every section. Finally he stumbles upon some, you know, one of the map fragments and it and you see it click for him. Like ten oh, hours in like, right. Because oh, you have to map. find the map in the you game. You have to find the map right. fragment. And I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Like watching that experience is again something that I would pay money for. <laughs> like just watching <laughs> that guy click into like, oh, this is not a map. Oh my god, this right. This Go- I've been playing. Googly moogly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And um <clears throat> but then what what tends to happen and what has happened with Elden Ring especially is I'll I'll watch some more of these videos and stuff like that and inevitably the people start like dismissing or like shitting on like the story. Ah, the story's not the point. Mm-hmm. Story, story's not the point. And listen, here's the thing that I'm probably going to regret because I haven't played any of the from software. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but there is a piece of me that feels like, look at all the intention that they've put into this game. You know, multiple people have been thinking about Elden Ring for probably like 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, designing it, making sure the map make makes sense, then filling out the side characters and their quests and stuff like that. And then you get to like sit down and for 10 hours not know that there's a map. And then, you know, like run around the world and just be like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not about the story. And I just want to be like, you know what? Maybe it is about the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe just chill out and realize that like, you're you're playing the 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 work of somebody who's put way more thought and intention in this than even you as much as you feel like you're giving to the game, you haven't given as much to somebody whose literally job is just like shade mm-hmm. in the the shadows, right? right. So I don't know. It, it that stuff to me just always like rubs me the wrong way whenever it could be anything other than like a video game, you know, like movies too mm-hmm. or whatever. When I see people like dismiss like, oh, this filmmaker you know, they're they're so dismissive of blah, 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 or this character or this idea. I just want to be like, if, if they're a good filmmaker, I would tend to just say, like, they've probably thought about this thing more than I have. Right. So before I start jumping on my YouTube video or before I jump on my podcast and go, uh, Elden Ring story is pure shit, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I think I'd be like, you know what? Let me finish the game. Let me, like, give it more attention mm-hmm. because yeah the story is like obtuse but right and here's it i don't know the story i don't have a vested interest yeah i i haven't followed it but that's just like an initial reaction like it like it's like rubbing my fur the wrong way mm-hmm. when when people react that way and i end up wanting to fight for the millionaires who are getting a raw deal all these tech people who don't give a crap about me i'm like they <laughs> they probably thought about their story leave them alone <laughs> Yeah. Um Okay. Do you uh, let's get into it because you have a curfew tonight. And we only have 40 minutes left. 
so do you want to talk about uh, Riders of Justice first? or I feel like we got to get the final stuff out of the way because Riders of Justice, I think I have the most to say. And I don't know what you thought about it. It potentially could be a very fraught conversation. Okay. And maybe I want to storm out. So some quick finals takes. We're here's three here's, games in. Here's a basketball take. All generally, right. I think that uh, fan like I've not been watching. Oh, this this actually works well with my Elden Ring take. Mm-hmm. I've not been watching the season very much. Mm-hmm. Been watching the playoffs a little more, and I find myself having like personal takes on on players. I find myself sure. like critiquing the way Steph Curry watches his three go in and then turns around walks away as if he is walking away from an explosion you know <laughs> right. what i mean um like yes th- there's that very showy there's that personal but it's like i don't know these people i don't know like why am i having such a personal take on people like draymond green yeah it it, it, it didn't take him long to just be like, <laughs> I don't even want Well, exactly. Part of that, too, of- though, is like this is not the first time you've ever watched Draymond Green play, right? He's been in the basketball consciousness for the past 10 years or something. Right, kicking people in the nuts. Right, exactly. And and cla- doing his... Right, his clapping, clapping, yelling in everyone's face. The, yeah. The thing that... So here's my take. My take is all, all sports where you can see the athletes... Mm. Like fully, like especially see their faces. Where they're not wearing a helmet. Where they're not wearing a helmet. It just invites bad fan engagement and interaction. If those athletes yeah. wore like a football helmet, I would not feel as strongly about them personally as right. I do. Right. So, well, some of that too, though, is the closeness to the field or the court. Because in basketball, they're pretty, you're really close. You're on the court for some seats. In baseball, you you can get pretty close to the field, but in football, you're always far away. You're never close to the field if you're a fan. Right. So I just imagine Draymond Green or Steph Curry, if Steph Curry did his same walk away from the three with full football gear on. <laughs> and full pads and, and everything. And full pads and helmet, I don't think I'd be as offended. Yeah. I'd just be like, oh, yeah. That's a- Maybe. Uh, I think part of that too comes from um, they were losing that entire game. Like that stuff bothers me the most when you're losing, right? Like I know it's your thing, you're showing off or whatever, like you're down by 12 points. Why are you? It's impressive, but like you're you're losing and you're going to lose the game. So maybe stop doing that and, you know. Play a better defense. So <laughs> here's the here, here's the question. See, I was just looking over. Um, Ace got himself uh, horny again, of playing course. outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's my my take. Game two. Did Boston just not show up, or was Golden State just untouchable? Uh, yeah, I think. Because Looney and all of them were were hitting their shots. Exactly. I, that's the thing, is I think with game two... Is it Looney? Poole? Looney's the center. 
So yeah. he probably was not taking a lot. No, he's the guy they bring in just to get rebounds. It's Pool. 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 That's Pool's it. hitting his shots, right. But even Clay had a bad game in game two. But everyone, you're right. Everyone else is hitting their shots in game two. So, I mean, for me, the, the biggest, my biggest thing was that I didn't think Boston could handle it mentally. Right. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they have. The, I mean, I think game one is probably the prime example of that. They won game one. They played and they, great. They didn't fall apart. They played really good. But for me, the the sort of exactly what I was talking about and what I was looking for was this in game three when going into half, they're up by 12 points, right? And we're texting each other. And it's like, I know that 12 points is not enough. doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's any sort of lead when you're playing against Golden State. And then sure enough, in the third quarter, they come back and maybe get the lead at some point. And there's like, um, there's yes. that... Uh, seven point swing, right? When Curry hits the three, gets fouled. Somehow it's a flagrant. I was, yeah, I wasn't watching with the sound on, so I'm not totally sure how that works. But they, he hits, hits the three, got fouled, hits the free throw, and then they get the ball back, and then Porter hits that just insane like circus shot, right? Yes. And and to me, that is the moment that I would expect Boston to just like pack it in and be like right. we'll we'll get him next time but they didn't they 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 played well and they won the game and so to me like that moment is like the series boston wins right i don't think golden state has a chance especially if curry is injured uh because he's the only person for golden state that has been played well that has played well in every game mm-hmm. everyone else has been like ass in at least one or two games um but even if he Curry's like fully healthy, I think there's probably a chance that it'll go to seven games. But I don't see how Boston doesn't win. Yeah, now now seeing Boston play, the only question is, will they disappear like they have? I mean, again, I didn't think my the Miami series would go to seven. Yeah, for and they, sure. And they they surprised by just giving it to Miami. Yeah especially at the end. So, you know, yeah, is Boston going to close it out? But you would think that this is where that inexperience that we talked about first might kick in, where they're young and have the energy and they might be hungry enough to really go after it, where Golden State hasn't shown me anything new or interesting. And they're like, they're just going to hit their circus threes or they're not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like that, that's basically... Their game plan. Well, know? and that kind of brings me to my take. And this probably explains. I have not watched. I didn't watch any regular season game. Didn't even consider it. Right. I still follow the NBA. I have an NBA podcast. Don't miss an episode of it. Right. But I don't watch the games. I've watched the playoff games. And this and watching Golden State and this series in particular has cemented for me that, and this is so much of like an old head take, but this version of NBA basketball sucks. Mm. It's not fun to watch. It's boring. It's one guy bringing the ball up and then four guys standing around the three-point line. That's it. And it's so boring to watch. And Boston deviates from that a little bit because Mm -hmm. they've got some bigger guys. That is, like you said, that is Golden State's plan. They've got five smallish guys who all have a 
good to decent chance of hitting a three. And so you've got somebody bringing the ball up, maybe running into the paint, and then everyone else just stands on the perimeter and waits for someone to pass them the ball. It's so boring mm. to watch. It sucks. Yeah. I mean, it, and I will say, like, it it highlights how good a player players like Tatum are. Like, when Tatum turned it on, there's a point where I was about to text you. It was either after the first quarter or at the end of the first quarter. I was like, what's wrong with Tatum? Mm-hmm. Like, he just... He didn't seem to be, like, I don't know, on in in some way. And even the start of game three, just he wasn't, he didn't look, I don't know. He hasn't aware. been great. But then he went on a run, mm-hmm. and he looked fantastic. And watching him, like, you know, drive the lane and, you know, make moves on people, like, that was... That was exciting. Yeah. And then, yeah, you look at Golden State. Who who do they have to do that? And, yeah, there's nobody. Yeah. Really. Yeah. The, the, the thing I'm really struggling with now is I had somehow coming into the series forgot how much I truly dislike Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. And how much – or I guess how quickly the Warriors turn into babies when they start losing. And you've got Clay Thompson complaining about the classless Boston fans. Steve Kerr is complaining about the classless Boston fans. There's now reports coming out from the Warriors staff about how they can't even walk around the city of Boston without being yelled at. It's like they're such babies Right. And Draymond is just the worst. I can't stand the way he plays basketball. He's such an instigator. I just, he's, he is the worst archetype of that type of player. Like Marcus Smart to me is that same type of player, but Draymond is like the, the epitome of it. You know, he's like the, the alpha, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so it's like narratively, I would like to see Steph get a ring without KD just because that him teaming up with him bothered me so much. Mm -hmm. And KD's also someone else who's just like really irritating, can be really irritating off the basketball court, I should say. Um, But it's like, man, I don't want to see Draymond win. Mm -hmm. And I don't (laughs) want to see these babies who are whining about being cursed at win. But I... Also, Boston fans are fucking annoying, right? And they're, like, known for being racist and terrible people. It's like, so I also don't want that to be rewarded. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, well, so here's here's a really horrible, and it's so funny. Like, we don't really talk about sports, and I feel like within the first few minutes, I've turned into, like, a daytime radio, yeah. like, sports commenter. And you realize, like, yeah, it, it, it can be a little thin, right? Yeah. We're watching grown men play a game. And oh, then, for sure. You know, you're just like, yeah, listen, I don't know. They didn't show up the end. But you've right. got to have something. The the Steph injury at the end of the game. Yeah. Again, this is a, I'm going to own up to it. This is a bad impulse I have. I get it. But it was one of the situations, too, where, like, you're watching in slow motion in glorious 4K as somebody kind of yeah. kind of crimps his ankle, but 
you know, you could see there's a moment where he was like trying to go one way and a guy was putting pressure on his ankle. But then you cut to him like on the court. Oh, he's smacking, screaming. Smacking yeah. the court. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I thought the exact same thing. I mean, as soon as they started that to dive for the ball and I saw Steph jump in there, my first thought was like, he's going to get hurt because he's like notoriously fragile, right? He's got bad ankles. Um, and so, and so my first thought was, oh, he, he's going to get hurt. He's, he's, he's getting hurt. And then the rest of the series is going to be like, oh, what if, because Curry is going to be out, but then you watch it. It's like, oh, nothing happens. Nothing right. Happened. And then they, the whistle and everyone stops and then you see he's laying <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. He's stomping his feet. He's, he's screaming. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, what did happen? But then he just gets up and he's seems to be pretty fine. Well, well then towards the end, you see him like he's limping a little bit. Out, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like. As soon as the whistle blows, he's like hunching over. Right. And, you know, it's like, again, you can't help but in your dark lizard brain think like, is this one of those it's things? the loser's that, limp. As soon as they start, like right. they're losing next game. Oh, Cur- Curry's limping. Right. You know, and then Phoenix did the exact same thing. As soon as they lost, right, almost immediately there was a... a uh, a report leaked of like Chris Paul was actually dealing with a serious injury the whole series. And it's like, okay, whatever. You lost. You lost. He wasn't injured. You just lost. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Curry's like, his ankles are very fragile, notoriously. Right. So, well, it's because of his stance when he shoots his threes. He's always like pitching, to, like <laughs> his, he never has a firm foundation. Right. There his is a lot of contortioning. Spread. That's another thing that I think ruins the game for me outside of the three-point shooting is there is still so much foul baiting and so much like I'm just going to jump into this guy and hope I get the foul call, right? I'm just going to throw this up and hope they call a foul or like the very intentional uh, flopping. It's just so annoying and i think game one was like great because none of that stuff happened uh but then there was i wouldn't say i guess there hasn't been a lot of it in the series but it still happens yeah so i'm i'm gonna agree i think boston's gonna take the series um you know so what what is it next game boston Mm -hmm. and then back to california right so the next game's in boston and then Oakland and then Boston and then Oakland for game seven. So I I don't think it's in Oakland anymore, but whatever. Win win the next. So that'll put them up, what, three? Yeah. Yeah, right now it's 2 1. I mean, I think if if Boston stays committed, I think they just close it out. I think they win the next two. I I think they win, lose, win. Yeah. We'll see. All right, uh, Riders of Justice. Let's go. It is a Danish. Danish is that the word? I kept thinking. How do you say Denmark? Denmarkian. Denmarkian. <laughs> no, right, Danish. So a Danish movie starring Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I think I heard his the real way to pronounce it, like Matt. Matt. It's not Mads. It's like Mads. Uh-huh. But yeah. Yeah, but he's like, oh, you can call me Matt. Uh, from 2020, it's on Hulu. Is that how you watched it? Mm-hmm. I watched okay. it on Hulu. Um, 
Yeah, so it's a revenge movie. What did you... I didn't know anything going into the movie. So I spent a good third of the movie confused tonally. What did you know about it going into it? So I went into it thinking this is a taken ripoff. Yeah. Like mads i i really like him but this seems to be probably his like the poster is very like b movie b movie i just wasn't interested Mm -hmm. and then it's called riders of justice yeah very bad name very bad name and i was like not interested and it literally was like a year until people started talking about their favorite films of the year and started popping up here and there. Mm. But I, it wasn't by anybody that I couldn't see being like, Fast and Furious is great. That's on my yeah, top 10. Right. And so I, di- I still kind of dismissed it. Um, and then I forgot where I, where I heard somebody actually talk about it. And it was on a podcast. And somebody actually started describing it a little bit. And I was like, oh, it's like a, comedy and yeah it's almost it's, like a satire yeah it's not just like mads it's not just him mm. like um dominating the the story that there's more going on that got interested and then um it's it's part of i forget what, what it's called i think will Menaker coined it but like dude cinema uh, no that's not dude's rock called. dude's rock mm. but yeah, yeah, it's called Dude's Rock. Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then finally, Jesse Hawkin um, put out a recent podcast episode where he talks about Riders of Justice. And I thought, yeah, uh, I'm finally going to gonna do it. I'm going to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my long winding story to finally watching Riders of Justice. Okay. So yeah, so it is like uh I wouldn't say a send up, I guess. It's um I mean, it's a revenge movie that's critiquing revenge movies, which I guess outside of like taken. I guess this is one of the things that had me so confused is like that's not a unique premise, right? It's not like we've been flooded with all these revenge movies, which we have, but none of them are taking the angle of like revenge is bad. They all take that angle, right? Which this is also kind of taking, but it does it. I felt like in a lot more of a, um, thoughtful or meaningful way. And it's funny, right? It's like really funny, really funny. Yeah. (laughs) Which I was, which is what threw me off, which I was not expecting all because very early on there's, a moment where um, the daughter is says, you know, there she's having a hard time going to sleep, and she's like, "Why won't you let me pray or believe in God or whatever?" And she's like, "Grandpa believed in God." And Mads Nicholson says, "Yeah, well, he wasn't a very smart guy." Smart, exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute, is that that's." Is that supposed to be funny? Because it's also, right, in Danish. So I'm like reading the subtitles and I'm like, is this like a translation thing? Yeah. Is it trying to be funny? Yeah. This was one movie that I have no reason to believe this, but it was one, um, one of the foreign movies that made me feel like I... I feel like I'm missing something in trans. Like I'm yeah. getting the jokes, 
Right. But I bet if I spoke the language, I'd be like guffawing at some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, there, I think the way, yeah, for me, the way that plays out is it ends up feeling a little, um, maybe broad is the term. It ends up feeling like, yeah, I guess it, it, it ends up to me not, it, it didn't feel as smart as I knew it was or like as pointed as I knew it is probably being. And I'm chalking that up to the, you know, like a, a difference in translation. Or oh, whatever. yeah. This this has a lot more intention in it than just, yeah, let's make a revenge movie. And the the film I immediately thought of was In Bruges which uh-huh. I love. And it definitely gave me that same vibe and feeling um, of a movie like that, which again, seems to be like one thing, but turns into something a lot different Yeah, uh, as the film goes on. Um, yeah, the, I think a good example of it. So one thing that did kind of bother me about it is, and maybe this is just the translation thing, but like some of the stuff does feel kind of clunky, I guess, like the introduction of the algorithm, quote unquote, or like his very opening scene where they're giving their presentation. And like the first thing they say is we discovered this algorithm. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not, Well, they've been working on that. They've discovered that poor people buy right. poor cars and rich people buy rich. Cars. <laughs> but the way that it's talking about technology and some of the stuff has a, had a very, um, like network TV, like NCIS feel to it. You know what I mean? It's like they're might as well be smashing a computer and saying enhance. And I'm like I said, I'm chalking that up to translation, like trying to translate that. But see, I'm chalking that up to them trying to get at the deeper philosophy undergirding those, those uh, concepts and ideas. Yeah. And so like, for example, the algorithm is merely just there to explore this idea of the unknowability of causation, you know, that can never sure. correlate the, the, the two, right? You can never predictively, um, you know, apply like X, Y, Z is happening. Therefore, you know, um, B, B will happen. Yeah. So let's, I want to get, what is your takeaway from the movie then? Because the 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 overarching message or kind of focus of the movie outside of revenge and technology and family, right? Seems to be a focus on uh like coincidence mm-hmm. and like knowability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that what you got? Like, what do what did you feel like the movie was saying about that? I feel like it is kind of addressing, you know, why do all the all the fundamental questions surrounding, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. You know, what? Why is there suffering? You know, is there a God in uh, in this unjust world? Right. And what would the role of God be in this unjust world? Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, and then the the limits of our own understanding and seeking. Um, and do you think the movie had a perspective on that, or do you think it was just raising those questions? Oh no, I think it totally has a perspective, right? It, it all comes down into as as didactic as it could be in that last conversation that you know Mads Marcus has with um, I forget his name, Otto. Uh, Otto, mm-hmm. you know, and Otto pretty explicitly. And, and again, underneath all that is a critique of revenge film, is a commentary on dudes rock, on, mm-hmm. you know, just like therapy, you know, the usefulness of of people helping other people, mm-hmm. you know, and the isolation of grieving alone. Um, you know, it, it has so much to say about all of that. But then on a bigger level, I think it does have a perspective, excuse me, and it makes a strange point, which is, again, how I feel about In Bruges. It makes a strange point for the value of a belief in this unjust world. Like, it actually weirdly... Shows, I mean, early on, one of the person who makes the most sense is the priest who delivers her homily at the funeral. And she is basically laying it out like some people want to find comfort in, Mm. you know, the good things that happen. Well, what about the bad things, right? What do you do with that? And to have the person of faith be the one who's like, let's dig into the unknowability of the bad stuff. Mm. And Mads' response to all the stuff of like, hey, grandpa was an idiot. You know, uh, we don't, she doesn't need that. Like, mm-hmm. at one point, she asks, like, why can't I believe in God? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, no, you can't. There's no use for that. Right. You know? But I mean, then you can see how that mentality can lead to error, right? It's not like you you answer this question right or wrong and you're now on the right or wrong path, mm-hmm. you know? And so many people like I'm really coming away from a conservative upbringing, being exposed to all of the negatives of that community and belief system and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I've always been very careful and I want to be careful to not have my response or where I end up in my belief system to just be a reaction against that. That was a bad road. Therefore, the road that rejects all that is the good road. It's not, mm-hmm. not true. That's, again, the same thing as, like, causality correlation. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't correlate that way. So, yeah, it really is about kind of, you know, finding your meaning and how you find that meaning, that value in your empty existence is the point. Right. And so Otto is saying, like, your daughter, there's there's one of your reasons to get through this life. Mm -hmm. Right. Doesn't have to be your reason. But he's like, that would be mine. And Otto has his own reason for 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 getting through, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And again, his daughter's going to find her own way. And it could be a belief system. You know, that's as valid as any of these other reasons. Yeah, uh, my, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess m- the the point it seems, and maybe this is about you know, it says more about the the person watching the movie than the movie itself, right? But to me, it seemed to be saying that uh, everything is meaningless. <laughs> there's no me. There's no purpose to anything, right? But 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 <clears throat> it's not nihilistic, right? Not yeah, no, 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 totally not in like a nihilist. I mean. <laughs> that's how it gets taken, of course. But, you know, yes, not in a nihilistic way. In a way that kind of, um, I guess, frees you to put meaning in whatever you want, right? Like, <clears throat> basically, like, I mean, Paul Paul Auster talks about this a lot in his books or explores a lot in the books, This uh, the idea of, like, coincidence and the idea of, like, what does it mean that this happened... It, it, you know, 10 years ago and now the exact same thing happened to me in a, the same place or whatever. Uh, and you can, yeah, you can look into it. You can like read into it a million different ways and you can read into it like how auto read into it, which then led them down a path to murder 50 people. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you can just be like, it just, it doesn't mean anything at all. It's to, it does. There's like, there's no coincidence there. And that was actually the first thing in the movie that, that kind of caught my uh, attention that I guess they do address it. Um, but like at the very, uh, when Otto is talking to either the police or he's talking to Marcus and he says something like this wasn't an accident, right? Talking about his wife being killed, <clears throat> but it's the definition of an accident. In my mind, even if the whole conceit is true of like this Aryan gang was blowing up a train to kill this star witness to stop from testifying, right? Still an accident that the wife gets, they weren't trying to kill her, right? So it's just an accident that she dies regardless. You know what I mean? Um, and so I guess that was the first thing that kind of should have tipped me off to like they're doing a little bit more with this movie, but it took a while for me to pick up on that. <laughs> there, there's something I was going to mention like literally three weeks ago, and it's talk about coincidence and correlation, causation, all that. But I forgot to mention it, and then I forgot to mention it every time we've recorded since. So I got a new car, mm-hmm. and I'm literally driving my new car like a week after I got it. I'm coming home from work, and there's a curve in the road Mm -hmm. you turn left on this road and then the road pretty quickly does a kind of sharp turn to the right that Mm -hmm. you kind of got to be aware of and i'm driving home and i literally was thinking i wonder when i'm going to get into an accident with this car (laughs) because it's been a while since i've been in any kind of accident Uh uh-huh all right but also accidents are out of your control you know well, sometimes. Sometimes no, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes they, I could cause it, which is granted. Yes, I could do it. Right. But also that that's not a hundred percent of it, and so even if it's twenty or forty percent, is out of my control. Mm-hmm. Like it's who who is going to run the red light or yeah. it's a light not pay strike. attention, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, and it's going to happen eventually. And then I was also thinking about my luck, which my luck historically is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 
no joke, I'm literally thinking that thought. The car next to me, we get, we turn left. Mm-hmm. It's a two-turn lane. The road then curves right, so I'm in the middle lane. They're on the left, the far left. They drive straight mm-hmm. into the median. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm curving. They drive straight into the median. Uh-huh. They then bounce up, obviously, kind of careen a little, like now they're kind of swerving and yeah. they're a little bit ahead of me. I break, but then I'm like, I see my way around and I kind of want to get in front of this because if somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, isn't paying attention or crashes in, I don't want to be caught in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. As I speed up, they inexplicably like, sl- like push on the gas, <laughs> but they're not level yet. They're mm-hmm. not straightened out and they shoot into my lane and I have to like pull the the wheel and swerve. I had looked and checked my right lane, saw that I was there was somebody coming, but they weren't immediately there. Mm-hmm. But I had to swerve in that lane and avoid them. And then I was like, after I got past that, I was like, this is one of those moments that for somebody, mm-hmm. they're then going to feel like they could manifest something right (laughs) yeah they're then gonna go home and look at their astrology (laughs) sign yeah they're gonna find out what's in retrograde why did they waste this moment of intention on manifesting an accident yeah that was their time to manifest uh whatever a winning lottery ticket or something you know and yeah, I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, this is this is that moment where people could think that it's so we live in such a bizarre world where coincidence happen all the time mm-hmm. by the sheer nature of randomness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in that, you can see the invitation to f- to search for meaning in it. You know what I mean? And so many people do for various reasons. And so I think this movie is kind of exploring that that good reason of seeking meaning. The bad reasons are for personal gain, for exploitation, right? I'm going mm-hmm. to start a cult, you know, and I can do that by creating this mumbo-jumbo philosophy, you know? Um, so there's a, a lot of bad reasons to create and search for meaning, but there can also be positive ones Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that's explored or even considered as much especially in a binary society that wants to just be like this side good that side bad right Mm -hmm. republicans bad democrats good and you know don't think any deeper about it just vote blue well right defend those sides at all costs right defend them at all costs so like people of faith dumb people of not faith smart Right. Like it's not that binary. It it's all like what's your intention? What's your intentionality? And again, all these people in all their various searches for meaning are all based out of good intentions. Mm. They're based out of like abuse, you know? Based out of personal trauma, you know? Based out of a desire to heal or a desire to understand, which is understandable. But you also have to understand that you'll you won't have the answer. So 
you know. Yeah. Search, but with the idea that you're you're not going to your your post-it wall will never add up to a final big post-it. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I thought that was actually a really good moment in the movie too, where he's going through the post-it note wall and he's saying, like, you can go down any one of these paths is endless, right? Uh so a couple things I wanted to talk about, uh just like some quick 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 hitters. Mm. Uh, there is about a there's about ten seconds of a Run the Jewel song in this movie, and it played. This was I think probably before I really knew what I was watching, but I have no idea why they chose this ten seconds of the song to play. I'm mm. going to play it for you. It makes okay. no sense, right? There, it's when they're walking into the gang is walking into the scene where they've got the boy who's been trafficked and they want to know what happened at the house, right? Bunches and bunches, punches is thrown into your frontless. Oodles and noodles, bang bullets that suckers noodles. Let's- Oodles and noodles. Something, 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 more noodles. <laughs> like, that is the five-second clip that's in the movie out of one Run the Jewels song. And it caught me so off guard because it starts with Killer Mike saying, oodles of noodles. <laughs> I love Killer Mike. I love it. Yeah, I mean, again, that for for anything, like any other reason, well, excuse me. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Um, there is a moment where it's the moment where Otto is talking to Marcus after Marcus had said something about he's destroyed the bathroom. They're having their conversation. Marcus says, you didn't take care of your daughter or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then Otto goes on this speech that I thought was great very touching especially as someone who has two daughters and he says something like you know i wish i had one more day to find her hairbrush for her or one more day to uh something like uh like uh you know yell at her for not putting the milk away or something <laughs> which is like you know very you know, poignant and I, it really resonates with me at the same time. It is so frustrating to have to tell my daughters to put the milk away every single day. You know what I mean? It's like, I get what you're trying to do, but I don't know if I should like feel bad about that as a parent, right? Like in that moment, it has me reflecting, like, should I be easier on my kids i feel like i'm already really easy on my kids especially considering how i was treated growing up oh yeah 100 percent. um yeah no i i feel the same way and i don't yeah i don't think the point is to treasure those things now there's no way you will Mm -hmm. but that you know without them yeah that stuff becomes and again i i empathize with it from the perspective of like you know, I keep looking at my son as like 
he's developing his own interests and personality and like he's just trying to make it in this world yeah. you know he's just he's just trying to figure it out and that also means that he will like eat his chocolate with a knife <laughs> and like chop it into smaller like shear it off then mm-hmm. eat it off the knife and it will spill out everywhere mm-hmm. and when i tell chocolate him chocolate stains on everything when i tell him like indy i don't want chocolate stains that night when he goes to bed i'm gonna lay down and look and see chocolate stains on the couch and get upset at him underneath that though is like just a kid trying to figure it out yeah he's just trying to you know and so yeah that that speaks to his humanity you know what i mean and so yeah that's that that's how i take that but no it doesn't mean that you have to value it in the moment or that you know that that you're a bad parent for not valuing it because mm-hmm. there's nothing to value in that yeah that's that's frustrating yeah you know? So the end of the movie, they realize this whole thing has been like a wild goose chase. Is that what it's called, right? Wild goose chase. What else would it be called? I don't know. That's the phrase, right? That is exactly the phrase, okay. which is why I'm asking. It's just one of those things where in the moment, it just doesn't seem a sound right goose, almost. A wild pig chase? <laughs> but basically, the, the, they ID'd the wrong person. The whole thing was actually a coincidence. This gang of Nazis had nothing to do with it, but they're a gang of Nazis, so who cares, right? Kill them anyways. Um, but there's a great moment at the very end where they all get shot up. There's one guy left alive, and he's crawling on the ground, right? And do you know what? You remember what happens? He says, "What do we ever do to you?" Right, <laughs> exactly. He says, "This really sucks." What the hell did we ever do to you? And then Mads Nicholson just shoots him in the face. And I thought that was hilarious. Great line, right? Oh, it's so good. And what does it remind you of? Or what did what did it remind me of? I mean, I don't know that what you've really sneaky. <laughs> right? The from Ravenous. Yeah. Just a great little tag towards the end of the movie that like perfectly encapsulates kind of the the feel for the movie yeah a hundred percent um no that that line struck me and again it's it's moments like that that make you realize like you're watching something that has really been thought through you know what i mean yeah. it's in those little like same thing with ravenous like he said sneaky like right you know, that's not you, i you, feel like that takes a lot of balls to he, like put in your movie yes you know what i mean because it's so silly yeah exactly and, and but you're so confident of the tone that you're like yeah we can do this yeah or like the scene where and again i'm forgetting their names but you know the guy goes out in the field and you know he's he's already referenced his previous sexual abuse and oh right you know in order to like <laughs> McMahon's like pulls his <laughs> pants his down, pants down. Yeah. and offers himself. And yeah, it is that both. really weirded me out. <laughs> of course it did, yeah. and it's such a moment of like, yikes! Right, like, exactly. What are we doing yeah. here? And at the same time, like, how did you pull this off? Like, yeah. how did how did that guy and Mads pull pull that off? Yeah. Um. There's that, and then there's like the other line that got me was when 
when he's giving when he's uh giving the daughter like a therapy session mm-hmm. and he um he writes in his notes mm-hmm. like afraid of being chubby <laughs> like and i forget of, of what she says fear of being chubby yeah and then he talks about something not not related to that and he like says something good and useful and at the end he's like and you are chubby right you're, you're a little what does he right. call her he calls her like you're a little yeah uh, no chubby yeah sausage sausage yeah yeah you're mm-hmm. a little you're a little stuffed you're sausage. a little chubby sausage yeah a little chubby sausage and i was just like <laughs> brilliant mm-hmm. like br- because you know like it's walking this line but it just resolves it in a way that you didn't anticipate that's funny. Yeah. And also like a perfect character beat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It just you feel sorry for her. You, you're cringing for him. Yeah. And then uh, again, and they hit it a few times, but uh where Ermin uh Ermin Tra- I was I was gonna say Ermin Trap, but that's better call Saul in Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay. But, but you know, the the big guy uh-huh. he's like Oh, he's been exposed to 40,000 hours of therapy. Right. And then in the car, he's like, I've been exposed to more therapy than like yeah. anybody. So I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, which I thought was great. And then also like the confrontation with Otto in the car where Otto gets punched in mm-hmm. the nose and then like thrown out of the car. Mm-hmm. And then also like when Otto just gets back in the car, like yeah. it's just this beautiful understanding of like tone and what you're saying. And these characters understand themselves and they don't have to behave based on previous like film expectations. Like, thank God, thank mm-hmm. God you're not watching a movie where you're like, oh, here's the dynamic. Like when the daughter starts being sullen, I'm like, oh God, it's going to be one of those movies. But she's like, she has really good intentions and she's just stating her intentions yeah. really well and being like, you need help. Why aren't you getting help? And then you immediately sympathize with her yeah rather than making her like a snotty teenager you know or even like the the um boyfriend you know what i mean yep. who like gets slapped and then he yep. shows up the next and you know what they're gonna do but they do it in a way where you weren't anticipating right. it and <clears throat> deepens the characters it's just so masterfully like balanced it's so crazy. yeah i'm really glad you said that because that i think that's the thing that impressed me most about the movie is that it was one of those movies where I found myself thinking a lot like, oh, it's going to be, this is what they're doing. And then they don't ever do it. And they do the exact right thing with it that you would want them to do. Yeah. Like every moment that happens, the boyfriend is great. The daughter is great. The relationship between the daughter and father is great. And it's never, it never feels like anything is played for like, just to be like dramatic for a movie. You know what I mean? No. And even the beats just aren't, aren't standard beats when Ermin whatever gets shot in the head at the end. I dodged a bullet. It was really cool. When right. the all pair is like, <laughs> I didn't get hit. And right. He's the only one stand, you know, sitting upright through the yeah. whole thing because you know, like in the end, they need all of them to get through because that's the whole point mm-hmm. is that they're going to have their found family at the end. Right. So you could have done it in a way where at the end you're, you're feeling like, okay, you know, that was cheap in the way you, explained how none of them got hit they just lean into it mm-hmm. no the au pair guy just sits rigidly up yeah and doesn't get hit right and again you you've supported that all with your causality causation mm-hmm. why do things happen you know randomness 
uh, explanation. It all just fits. It all connects. And that's what I love. And it's like, again, I know it's hard to do, but you watch so many films where you're like, I've seen it done before. Just like add, add something else to this story because watching Denzel Washington like rig his hardware store to like shoot a nail into a guy's eye. <laughs> it only gets you so far. Like the right. equalizer uh-huh. one and two can only go so far sure. or like the magnificent seven remake and you know, all these kind of like modern, you know, uh, even like, I'm even going to say John wick, John wick is stylish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But beyond that, I don't really get much, much more from them. Um, and again, for this film to, to feel so unique is something, mm-hmm. yeah, again, it's just like, it's not done enough, you know? Yeah. Y- you watch, uh, you know, y- you watch like Parasite, Bong Joon-ho film, and you're like, yeah, see this. Mm-hmm. This is why I want more. Like, connect it, theme it. Um, and it definitely doesn't happen in action movies. So, yeah, Riders of Justice, terribly embarrassed that I it took me two years to mm-hmm. watch it. And definitely has me interested in watching that director's other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a bunch of stuff with Mads, right? Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff with with, with Mads. And um, again, one of those guys that's like, you know, in, so in Bruges, which is McDonough, mm-hmm. and then McDonough has a brother who also is making movies. He made a movie called The Guard mm-hmm. um, with Don Cheadle and. Oh. Um, I forgot his name because he works. He's in in Bruges as well, but like the guard in Bruges, you know, Riders of Justice, I think are all a piece mm-hmm. of you know, kind of thriller action tropes wrapped in a much deeper, you know, philosophical, you know, kind of uh, tortilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Uh, and, um, and yeah, more, more of, more of that, please. So, and weirdly looking at this director's other movies, there's a lot of religious themes in them, which, um, um, which makes me curious. Same thing mm-hmm. with, with McDonough, like a lot of religious imagery. In yeah. Films. Well, oh, the, the, the guard Calvary. Are those two separate movies? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, the one last thing that I thought was very unique, like you said, is the way that the movie handles religion and its perspective on death that I feel like is, I don't know if it's like uniquely Danish, but I know that it is uniquely not American, right? I I don't think you would have a conversation in a American movie that they, like they have around, you know, life after death and God and all that stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Right. And I think, again, that's like in in all these movies, like to me, these are the conversations that first reformed as well. Yeah. Like these are the level at which conversations about faith should be happening. Mm -hmm. But instead they're happening on the level of like, what's 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 even an analogy it's just happening on such a base level mm-hmm. there's no i i mean fundamentally that's the problem is that re, 
modern religious discussion is happening on a level that isn't even a religious discussion. Right. You know, it really has devolved into just like, um, we should, I mean, did you hear that one? There's a video going around this, uh, preachers like we should kill gay people. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're at the level of just like, I'm terrified of everything. Yeah. Okay. Writers of justice. So we don't have a ranking system, but no. what's your what's your end? Uh, I liked it. I don't like revenge movies, and I don't get I get the appeal of them from a cynical perspective. I don't get the appeal to them personally. Personally, I have less than zero interest in ever watching another revenge movie. It just like I get it. I I also that's another thing where it's like. I get it from like an American perspective, but a lot of these movies aren't American movies. This isn't, I, the bowl isn't, uh, I think even like the, aren't like the taken movies directed by, uh, I want to say like a French guy or something. Right. But it's like, I like, I get it from the perspective of like, Oh, I guess I get, especially now where it's like, you know, unless you're a, a billionaire, you're just being shit on every day. And so these movies where it's like, hey, a guy gets is aggrieved by something and then he gets to spend two hours just murdering everybody he wants to that he's perceived that's, uh, you know, aggrieved him. Yeah, okay, I get that. Like I said, that's kind of a cynical take, but personally, I don't get it. It does not interest me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that made this movie a bit of a drag for me even even after i realized like what they were doing um just i'm so like numb to the conceit in general that i just don't have any time for it yeah i'm i'm with you i don't have a, like all the movies that um Liam Neeson is making i don't have an interest yeah i mean that is really his whole career at this That's point. his whole career at this moment but th- this one really is something interesting and definitely worth a watch for sure and i think it would transcend people who don't really like revenge movies yeah i think there's enough here it's it's funny it's touching it talks about things in a more direct way that again these are the level uh, that i want conversations to happen like it is you know a a sensitive mm-hmm. you know pro therapy movie without being overtly like at no point is it cringy about it. It doesn't get saccharine. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, yeah, it's just saying some real stuff that I thought was really good. So, highly recommend. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. My buddy's been